Honestly, when Andrew told me he was going to introduce me, I didn't know what he was going to say because, like, I'm not that impressive. <laughs> There's really nothing to me. Um, <clears throat> truly. Um, one sec. Allow me to start by way of asking a question. Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? How did I get here? Not in the existential way, kind of like, how did I come to exist? And definitely not in the biological way, because I don't think we're doing birds and the bees this morning, but rather in the way where as you survey your life and you think about your journey thus far, you can stop and ask yourself this curious question, how did I get here? Since becoming a Christian, I feel like I've asked this question quite often, probably on those occasions where I'm out in the desert in Kenya, sitting under the stars, or I'm like serving at some hostel somewhere, talking to people about Jesus, or even on occasions like this where I'm surrounded by folks that if God didn't save my life, I would have never got a chance to meet or know or anything at all. I believe that when we're doing extraordinary things in these unbelievable places, fully realizing the power of a God who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, all we can really do is stand in awe and ask ourselves, how did we get here? And yet it's not only during these moments of extraordinary joy that we ask this question, more importantly and probably much more personally, we ask it during these moments of confusion and deep pain where we don't really know what's going on. I remember in those days before I ever encountered Jesus, before I even knew that God had an interest in me or that he had power to help me at all, um, I also asked this question. How did I get here? How did such this happy-go-lucky, bright-eyed young man who had a family who loved him and friends that cared about him, how did he end up in a place of such despair where he was desperate and debilitated by by life to such a degree that he would want to give it up? How did I end up turning down all my job offers and ending up in this mental hospital, go to counseling five days a week, five hours a day to overcome something that had become obviously impossible for me to manage on my own? How did life end up so hard? How did I end up so far away from the future I imagined for myself? How did I end up feeling so lost How did I end up here? Although when life is good, we can kind of ask this question with this like wonder and awe, like basking in this like extraordinary joy that like, oh man, life is so good. And yet none of us will be spared those moments where life causes us to question. Call it a death, a divorce, somebody that we really love got really sick, um, What about the career that we sacrifice so much to get and it's suddenly snatched away from us and then, like, just like that, seemingly in the snap of a finger, despite our efforts, despite all of our trying, um, we're only left to quietly confess that, man, I'm lost. I don't really know, like, how I got to this place. And, well, God, he's seemingly absent. Well, today I want to talk about those moments when we find ourselves baffled by life, 
unsure if help is on the way, asking ourselves, how did I get here? But before we begin, I I just want to give us a single, like, precious truth that you can hold on to, especially if you find yourself asking this question, if you feel lost even now and like it's impossible to believe that help is on the way. And it's this. God is on his way to you. God is on his way to you. I know I haven't proved this yet, and hopefully you'll give me the opportunity over these next couple minutes to do just that, but I absolutely believe it, that God is on his way to you. Um, I don't say this simply because I intimately understand, like, what it is to be, like, very far from God and subsequently to know the joy of being found by him. I really believe this truth because pursuing people in need is the very heart of God. And luckily, he's preserved a stunning picture of this reality in his word, which I believe is for us today. So how can we know that God is on his way to us? Why should we believe that he's coming to find us at all, especially when we're asking this question, how did we get here? As we listen to this story of a man called Zacchaeus, cool name, I believe our answer will be found as we see the kind of people that Jesus is looking for and we understand the reason that he's looking for them at all, and hopefully before we finish, we'll get to consider together the lengths that Jesus will go to in order to help them and even to help us. God is on his way to you. I want you to know it. I want it to like sink down into your bones. I want it to echo through your days and silence all the voices that tell you it's impossible. He's coming. He is. And I believe he's coming for you. So would you join me in Luke chapter 19? Um, So that we may see together why I'm so sure of this life-altering fact. This is Luke chapter 19. Just start at verse 1. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this household, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God, he took on flesh and blood to step into our world to seek and to save the lost. 
There is hardly any other place in scripture that so clearly reveals God's heart and even more God's mission. So I'm hoping that by unpacking this, this short statement together, we'll be able to discover and believe for ourselves, especially when we are lost, questioning how we ended up in any particular place, that God is coming for us. In the story we just read, Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus. And for that very reason, we know that Zacchaeus is counted amongst the lost. But what does that word even mean, lost? And what does that have to do with who Zacchaeus is? I don't know how much you know about tax collectors, but Zacchaeus, well, he belonged to one of the most hated and despised groups in the entire Jewish world. Um, And to be known as the chief amongst them, I mean, that only heightened this reality. Tax collectors, they were complicit with Roman oppression, and thus they had betrayed their people to enrich themselves and amass this wealth at the expense of their countrymen. According to like Jewish tradition, tax collectors, get this, they were to be classed amongst murderers and robbers, pretty extreme, but it also meant that they were categorically excluded from religious life. Their money was unclean, their presence was unwanted, and their lifestyle unrighteous. Um, or at least deemed that way by the people that call themselves religious leaders. Zacchaeus would have been a social pariah of the highest order, relegated to the like furthest margins of Jewish life. But more than that, he would have been hopelessly estranged from God. For Jews at that time, the temple was, it was a place of God's presence. It was where you went if you wanted to learn God's ways or study God's word. And as you heard the scripture being read aloud, um, it clicked. It was a place where God's people could, could gather and be reminded together that in spite of Roman oppression, that the Lord was still their God and they were still his people. But also it was a place of indescribable, indescribable significance because it was where you would go to make a sacrifice for your sin. How tragic it was for Zacchaeus to be barred from such a place, to need God's help, but be unable to access it because how far away you had to be kept. In this regard, of course, Zacchaeus would have been considered lost. But it's not simply for being like a religious outcast that Jesus calls Zacchaeus lost or anyone for that matter. Despite the power that certain moments of our lives have to leave us feeling lost, Um, Some were far, far away from God asking, how did I get here? There is nothing in all of life that separates us from God in a more decisive way than sin. It's written in scripture that if if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And likewise, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. I know that sometimes it's regarded as this outdated concept from a era gone by, but sin's ravaging in the lives of people is well evidenced and is common to all of humankind no matter where we look. Sin is the great catalyst for everything that has gone wrong in our world because, well, it's the unfortunate source for everything that has gone wrong in us. Sin is the reason that we hurt and hate one another, why we choose to be selfish instead of generous. It's, it's why we all like to play God instead of to trust the only one who ever could be God. Sin is the reason that we've all ended up desperately lost in this spiritual wilderness, unsure of how to get back to God, questioning, how did we even get here? 
Sin is the reason that we're lost. And lost to such a spectacular degree that we can only hope that help is on the way. Well, here's the good news. (laughs) Help is on the way. And just as I told you at the start of this sermon, allow me to remind you again that I believe that God is coming for you, for each one of us. And he is coming for a purpose. For the Son of Man not only came to seek the lost, but to save them. And yet, it makes sense to ask, save them from what? Like, there's so many things that we could be saved from, but what is it that this man called Jesus came to save us from? Like, follow me if you will. I wonder what Zacchaeus was thinking when he heard that Jesus was on the way. I'm sure he could have, like, he was probably anxious. Like, I would have been anxious, like, oh, Jesus is coming. But all the more for him, since this, this man who welcomed tax collectors and sinners, who healed the sick and cast out demons and, like, ruffled the feathers of a few religious people, well, this same Jesus only days earlier had sent this rich man away downcast when he emphatically stated that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. For Zacchaeus, with all his wealth, I can hardly imagine how discouraging that would have been. But even still, he wanted to see Jesus. He could have given up. But I believe, or at least I like to believe, it's because Zacchaeus heard the words that Jesus said after that other rich man left, that nothing is impossible with God. Zacchaeus, he needed something impossible done for him. And he began with Jesus reached that spot under the sycamore tree, looked up, and shouted his name. (laughs) Jesus called him by name, which I'm not going to go into how did Jesus know his name. Like, that's a question. Um, But Jesus called his name because God knew the man who was lost. Because God himself was on the way to find him the entire time. So joyfully, Zacchaeus, well, he came down from that tree, believing maybe for the first time in a long time that God was looking for him to save him from life as he knew it. The life that Zacchaeus probably knew was marked by unbelief. Unbelief that God was interested in seeking him out or finding him at all. And yet here was Jesus on the road to him demanding to be a guest at his house. As a tax collector, I'm sure Zacchaeus could have never imagined that his life would include having dinner with a religious teacher But again, here was Jesus (laughs) dining at his table, um, even though like there's crowds outside protesting that he's going to be this guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus was a man excluded from the very community that he was born into. And yet Jesus makes it clear to the surprise of all of his listeners that this man was in fact a son of Abraham, a child of God. And moreover, Despite being impossibly lost, Jesus made it clear that all things are possible with God because salvation, well, it came to the house of a rich man just like Zacchaeus. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' needs individually, and he came to save him so specifically that I'm convinced that God has uniquely come for each one of us. Like I said earlier, I say it again. God is on his way to you. But Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost is not solely about individuals because 
He did something so distinctly for us all that we couldn't make it all about us. Earlier, I mentioned that there is, there's nothing in all of life that separates us from God in a more like decisive way than sin. That is the reason that we all ended up so desperately lost in like this spiritual wasteland, unsure of how to save ourselves, questioning how we even got here at all. For many of us, the word sin, it like, it triggers these, these feelings of guilt and shame about the things we've done or the people that we are, which of course means that our gut reaction to sin and especially to anyone audacious enough to call us a sinner is to immediately reject them. Um, I'm sure Zacchaeus understood this repulsion to being labeled a sinner um, personally after he had been berated and shamed by religious people. I know most of us, we're just trying to do the best that we can. We even try to help people out along the way and It's a part of the reason that being called a sinner feels so, like, offensive. It's like being called a criminal when you haven't even broken any laws. Um, It's so ridiculous, but is it true that we haven't broken any laws? You know, there's this guy whose videos I've watched before. He, like, rides around on his bike, and he talks to people about life and faith and Jesus. He just wants to hear their thoughts on the street. But every time in his conversations— he stops and he asks them, like, do you believe you're a good person? And everybody always says yes, because I think we all like to believe we're good people. Um, but he always follows this up by asking them this series of questions so that maybe they can prove it. And maybe as I ask these questions, I invite you to consider for yourself where you might stand on this. He'll ask stuff like this, easy stuff. Like, have you ever lied before? Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever stolen something, even if it's small? Yeah. Have you ever cheated on a test or something? Guilty. Ever look lustfully at somebody? Yeah, that's me too. (laughs) He has a couple more questions just like this, but I think you get the point. (laughs) And as he summarizes their answers for them, instead of coming out as like a good person— The testimony of our lives is that we've been these lying, thieving, adulterous, blasphemous, insert this thing that calls out the junk in our lives title. Unfortunately, sin is real. And tragically, we're sinners, not because somebody called us out, but because if we're honest about our lives, It's just there. It's the thing that makes us want to run away and hide because we're feeling guilty or ashamed. Sin is the reason we ended up lost in the first place. But the good news is that, like I said, God is coming to find us. And it's especially good because he's not coming to condemn us. (laughs) He's coming to save us. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man who came to seek and to save the lost, came into this world For people like you and me, it's hard to imagine the reality that God would, like, come from heaven to earth just because he loves us. But surely if that was, like, the whole story, it would remain, like, an astounding piece of history. But just because God came, it doesn't automatically make it good news for anybody. 
What does it matter if a man or a king or even if God himself simply visited a bunch of people in the past and then waved goodbye when he was ready to go? It might have been the highlight of their day, their month, their year, or even the thing they talked about for a lifetime. But if that's all that happened, it would have no impact on us. However, Jesus did come into the world, not just for those back then, but for every person across all of time. He came to do something so necessary, yet so seemingly impossible that many people still find it hard to believe today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into the world and dwelt among us to save sinners so that we would no longer be lost, but we could forever be found at his side, at the side of a God who loves us, who knows us, who cares about the intimate details of our lives. On the cross where Jesus hung, he died in the place of everybody labeled a sinner, not because some religious person said so, but because if we are honest with ourselves, it's there. He died in the place of every person who ever rejected God, every person that ever chose to go their own way or denied that there could ever be a God worth wholeheartedly trusting. Jesus' death was the sacrifice for sin that Zacchaeus thought he would never be able to access and the one that we all needed. It was a sure sign that he loved us because who dies for just anybody, especially people that don't even like him? And yet the defining moment of history is not Jesus' death, but his resurrection. Jesus is alive from the dead, just as he promised, which is why I can say that he's coming for you. Because a dead man could never do anything for anybody. Only the living can do that. When I needed help, when I was desperately lost, crying out on my knees on the brink of suicide, I didn't need a dead man's help. I was a dead man myself. I needed a living God to come and find me, to save me when I was lost. And he did just that. When Jesus died on the cross, he demonstrated in plain view that not even death can keep him from fulfilling his word, which means that if his mission is to seek and to save the lost, then surely we can all be found. I'm living proof, and many of you are also. We can all be found. If we have a need, hear me say he's coming to you. The Lord is seeking us all. Even now, he's on the way. The question that remains is, how will we respond? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you come and fill this moment with your presence and with clarity for how you're inviting us to respond. Lord, I know that life can be long and challenging, that it's easy to get lost and wander far, far away from you. 
but I am grateful that you are seeking us even now. That you weren't satisfied with leaving us by ourselves, lost, alone in the world, but that you wanted a relationship with us. So Jesus, would you make us so bold as to trust that truth, that you're coming for us because you love us, that you're seeking us and you will find us, that when we feel lost, you're always on the way. Lord, we need your help. Life is too hard. The day's too long to do these things without you. So would you come, just as you promised, to seek us out, to find us, and to save us, so that we will be forever yours. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.